Welcome back to another show of To Be Young, Gifted, and Black. Today, we're going to talk about love. Love, a term of endearment, and one we as teens hear very little of these days. I mean, you listen to rap songs, and everyone's talking about the three-letter word that starts with an S, but no one is talking about love. And even in this last song, Love Galore, that I sing along to in the shower screaming, Love! It's still about her being the side chick, no matter how loud I scream. So today, on another episode of Being Young, Gifted, and Black, we're talking about love. But more specifically, black love. I mean, back in the 90s, I think it was more popularly and properly displayed. For those of you who watched The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air with Aunt Viv and Uncle Phil, or A Different World with Dwayne and Whitley, or even The Cosby Show, you saw normal black families with two loving parents in a household. Even if you didn't have the perfect home life, you saw what love was supposed to be. And that's important. If all we have is a bunch of little Stevie J's running around, love is not going to work out too well. But back in the day, marriage for most people was a common staple of love. But now you're lucky if you get a long-term boyfriend. It's kind of sad when you think about the history of black love or marriage. Because in slave times, weddings weren't always legal. Yes, y'all. Today, I'm taking us way, 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 way back through history. For my young folks, imagine us taking one of those educational trips like on the Magic School Bus. I think the topic of marriage, and especially black marriage, is important because it's something we as blacks weren't always allowed to do. Back in the day, you would see stories of runaway slaves who ran away for the sake of being connected with their beloved husband or wife. Many times, since it was illegal for slaves to get married, they jumped the broom, which is exactly what it sounds like. The couple would jump over a broom instead of having a wedding ceremony because at the time it wasn't allowed. But because of this generation, I don't think it's something that we really appreciate. The ability to get married or do other basic things that we consider to be our right. People died for us to be able to do stuff like this. Some people like to look at marriage as being tied down or having a long-term commitment, but it's more than that. It's about caring for someone else, loving someone else more than yourself, waking up excited to see the person laying next to you, having a twinkle in your eye after seeing the one you love. Now, I never had a perfect example of marriage going up because my parents did divorce, but it's a dream I recently started hoping for. As a lot of people say, dreaming of my wedding dress. Now, today, as no surprise to me, people in the black community are least likely to get married of all the races. And I believe it's due to the lack of examples of black marriage or even love in film or in the media. But anyways, I decided to share this cute little love story I saw, so sit back and listen along. The story I'm about to share comes from a book by Betty Doremus called Forbidden Fruit, Love Stories of the Underground Railroad. If you enjoy the story, you can buy it on iBooks for $13.99. Today, I'll be reading from the chapter, The Woman on John Little's Back. He carried his wife to freedom on a scarred and beaten back. That's all you really need to know about John Little. Among slaves, backs were storybooks, telling a person's whole saga, recording where he had been, and suggesting where he might go. A North Carolina-born slave named John Little and his Virginia-born wife had as many scars as any other slave. But they also had something else, an incredible memory of an incredible day. John Little became a runaway after his master refused to give him a Sunday pass to visit his ailing mother. He went to see his mother anyway and returned back to take his punishment. Five hundred stinging, cutting lashes across his back. After that, a slave breaker beat him steadily for three months, trying to snap his spirit, twist his will, but nothing worked. When he was sent to Norfolk to be shipped to New Orleans, Little ran back to North Carolina to his mother. Taken to Tennessee, he married a woman with soft hands, a woman who couldn't stand too much sun, 
and a woman as gentle as he was strong. But he was jailed again and about to be resold. That's when he broke out of jail. When his wife told him the overseer planned to whack him 300 times with a wooden paddle, he prepared to run away again, waiting in the woods until his ailing wife healed. Once the Littles began walking, they journeyed nine miles before an exhausted Eliza Little collapsed on the floor of a barn. John Little kept trying to rouse her, but couldn't. Benjamin Drew, a 19th century researcher, describes what John Little did next. I seized and shook her. Wife, wife, master's coming. But I could not awaken her. I gathered her up and put her across my shoulder manfully, jumped the fence, and ran with my burden about a quarter of a mile. My heart beat like a drum from the thought that they were pursuing us. But my strength at last gave out, and I laid her down under a fence, and she did not awaken. Over the years, Eliza, who married John at 16, had been battered almost as bad as her husband. She had three scars on her hands, and one on her arm, and one on her forehead, inflicted by a mistress who had thrown pieces of a china plate at her, even though Eliza wasn't the person who'd broken the plate. She had been beaten with a piece of wood, leaving her with a scar over her right eye. Maybe that was a part of what made her so special to her husband. Like the people who stare in amazement at the famous picture of the slave Gordon's back, John could look at his wife and taste her tears. I bled like a butcher, Eliza told Drew. One piece of glass cut into the sinew of the thumb and made a great knot permanently. The wound had to be sewed up. This long scar over my right eye was from a blow with a stick of wood. One day, she, her mistress, knocked me lifeless with a pair of tongs. I belonged to them until I got married at the age of 16. I was employed whoring cotton, a new employment, which caused my hands to blister badly. Anyways, during Eliza and John Little's journey to freedom, Eliza's shoes gave out and she wore out her husband's old shoes, too. Barefoot, they stumbled on. When they crossed the Ohio bottoms leading to the river, John Little once again proved he was more than a man with a strong back. He told Benjamin Drew. The water was black and deep. I bounded our package onto my wife's back, placed her on a log as a man rides a horseback, and I swam, pushing the log, holding it steady to keep her up. Had the log turned right or left, she would have slipped off, and the packs would have sunk in her. It would have been death for sure, but worse than death was behind us and to avoid that we risked our lives. That was a preview from the book Forbidden Fruit, Love Stories of the Underground Railroad. If you enjoyed the story, you can buy it on iBooks for $13.99. Now, if you don't know Black Love or just want to see it in the movies, I'm about to list some of my top five favorite Black Love movies so you can check them out. Love Jones for poetry lovers. Love and Basketball for basketball lovers. Poetic Justice for Tupac lovers, The Best Man for people who love their friends, and lastly, The Tidewell, which I've yet to watch, but I hope to enjoy soon. My friends recommended it, so you know, I'm going to check it out. Again, thanks for listening to the show. Make sure to listen to my other episodes and subscribe. Thank you.